Hello, this is Max Gross, Editor-in-Chief of Commercial Observer, bringing you an insightful conversation I had with Nicholas Rizzi, our esteemed web editor. We delved into the intriguing changes witnessed in our esteemed Power 100 list, our annual feature that it captures the essence of New York's real estate landscape. Notably, this year's list was devoid of the political figures who traditionally commanded attention. Join me as I share the highlights of our discussion, exploring the evolving dynamics and the profound impact it has on the real estate industry. Stay tuned for an engaging exploration of power, influence, and the future of New York's real estate. Hello, I'm Max Gross, Editor-in-Chief of Commercial Observer. And I'm uh, Nicholas Rizzi, the web editor of Commercial Observer. So I wanted to talk to Nick today. Um, We have out our Power 100 list, which is one of our signature features. We have it every year. It generates a lot of interest and a lot of controversy among some people who read it. And, you know, traditionally, we have some of the local New York political figures. We have the governor, the mayor. Sometimes we'll have somebody from the state senate. Last year, we had, you know, Miami Mayor Francis Suarez on. And this year, it was pretty devoid of, like, political figures. And I just, I, I wanted to talk to you about that uh, today, Nick. Yeah, and I mean, I think a big reason why we decided that is that, you know, Eric Adams and Governor Kathy Hochul have made broad sort of real estate claims of things they're going to do, you know, to help create more housing, um, ease office to residential conversions. And so far, it seems none of them have actually gone to pass. And Kathy Hochul is in the middle of extended budget uh, negotiations, and it's been widely reported that all of our housing proposals are not going to make it into the budget. Key for real estate would be the replacement of 421A. And, you know, it seems like she's losing power to the state legislator and suburban lawmakers upstate who don't want housing there, and these aren't going to come to pass. It is one of these, like, ironies, because like eight of the last 10 years, there was a, a governor and a mayor of New York who um, hated each other, who didn't get along, one of which was regarded as fatally anti-real estate by the real estate industry, and I'm talking about uh, Mayor de Blasio. It would seem like this is a moment where the real estate industry would have been blessed by its political, by New York's political choices. Eric Adams, pretty pro-real estate, as you said about Kathy Hochul, you know, she promised 800,000 new uh, units of housing. I mean, that seems like, you know, a Christmas gift. And yet, at this point, they're less powerful than previous. Yeah, and I mean, both Adams and Hochul have publicly said that this is not like a Cuomo de Blasio situation. We actually like each other. We're getting along. And, you know, the 800,000 housing proposal, Hochul and Adams made that announcement together, saying that they're going to work hand in hand to get this passed, and then they had to come to the realities of a city council, a state legislator who don't want a lot of these things. You know, there's, you know, key would be, you know, 421A, both of them, even Adams at the Rebney Gala was saying, we need to get this done. He clearly doesn't have the power to get this done, and Hochul also doesn't have the power to get this done, it seems like. Well, so... Who has the power to, to, to get it done then? Or, or is, it, is it just about the power of, of a veto, basically? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question because it doesn't seem there's anybody to pin the blame on why these housing proposals aren't made into the budget. It's a collection of people. 
Liz Kruger, an assembly member in uh, Manhattan, has been against putting housing in the budget talks and saying, well, you know, we'll do this later. And then State Senate Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins and the Assembly Leader Carl Hesty, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Carl Hesty, yeah. Yeah. You know, upstate has had more, you know, GOP members win seats in recent races. So they're facing an angry suburban population who might vote more Republican if they cave to Kathy Hochul's housing proposals. And so, you know, it's believed that they're sort of pushing against these to, like, keep their members safe for next election cycle. So suburban Republicans don't want housing. Urban progressives don't want housing. So who wants housing? What's going on here? No idea. I mean, you know, it's clear that we have a housing crisis in New York. I mean, rent is, I think, the average rent in Manhattan is like $5,000, which is sort of insane. And, you know, people keep getting pushed further and further away from Manhattan. I myself had to go to Queens from Brooklyn because I couldn't afford it anymore. Hey, nothing wrong with Queens, man. I <laughs> Nothing wrong with Queens. I mean, I'm loving Queens, but yes, you know, people increasingly can't afford to live in Manhattan or even New York City in general. I mean, there's been a, a couple of things where like $100,000 doesn't really go f- far in Manhattan, in New York City anymore. And so Clearly, there's a need for affordable housing, but nobody actually wants to build it. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because it did seem like the electorate was signaling a sort of a a, a YIMBY posture. And I don't just mean here in New York. I mean, you know, if you look at like the local mayoral elections in L.A., you know, Rick Caruso, nobody's idea of a left-wing progressive, but he did very well, you know, and... uh, Eric Adams was not the left-wing candidate of, uh, of all the people who were running for mayor. He, he beat out all of his challengers. So it does seem to me that the voting population is signaling that it wants something done about affordable housing. And the local people in, you know, local city council members, state senators, don't want anything done about housing. Right. And it's interesting because there is this YIMBY movement going on. But then when, you know, there's rezonings come to pass, there was one in Throgs Neck in the Bronx, another one, Innovation Queens, both received substantial pushback from the actual community. And so, it, you know, there was another there's another rezoning going on that Adams is putting his weight behind in, in Midwood, Brooklyn. So it does seem like there is this YIMBY movement. But when it actually comes to the community boards, they still don't want to put affordable housing in their actual neighborhood. They want it elsewhere. Right, 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 right. The politicians that we sometimes consider for Power 100, you know, have some sort of federal import as well. People who are doing infrastructure projects, stuff like that. Let's talk about some of the people that we considered this year but did not actually wind up going with. Yeah, you know, one of them was John Podesta. He's in charge of doling out the money for green initiatives for President Biden and, you know, ESG measures are becoming an increasingly important topic uh, for real estate, um, not so much in the States compared to Europe, as I've found out recently, but... So, yeah, you were in Europe for uh, MIPAM recently, right? Yeah, and, um, you know, one of the things I learned is, you know, in the States, ESG is still sort of considered a bad word for a lot of people. They don't want to talk about it. Um, You know, the ones that do are large enough where they don't care. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, it's like the first thing they, on the table when they're getting financing for projects. Do they know the ins and outs of like, you know, local law 97 and stuff like that? (laughs) Surprisingly, they do. Really? There was a panel with a couple of British people on there and they were basically saying that, you know, once we get our act together, we're gonna sort of eat their lunch when it comes to ESG initiatives. (laughs) And 
you know, one of them pointing out like New York's local law 97 as being a model of how we can do it well mm -hmm. in the state. The problem is for Adams that A, that was the Blasio's plan and B, there's still not final rules on it. So, you know, it's going to come to pass soon and nobody knows really exactly how to follow that measure. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you mentioned uh, Podesta as uh, President Biden's clean energies are. Was there any, I, I know the answer to this, but was there any uh, discussion of President Biden being on the list? Yeah, a little bit because, you know, unlike Adams, who has just sort of the ability to call New York City workers back into the office, and A. de Blasio did that, and in the recent sort of union contracts, there's going to, that Adams is, um, has an agreement with, there is actually space for remote work. So, you know, New York City workers are going to be sort of able to work from home now. Mm. Biden can call, and he did call federal workers back to the office, which is a massive thing for D.C. because, you know, go on any sort of news outlet, including us, and you'll find that, you know, the D.C. office market is so reliant on the federal government that their workers being home just sort of turned into a ghost town, apparently. Since I've been editor, we've never had a president on the um, on the Power 100. Uh, it sort of scrambles the whole thing to put the president of the United States. They can end organized life on this planet as we know it. I, yeah. Are we really going to say that Blackstone is more powerful than that? Probably not, so... No, I mean, Biden has a little bit more power. I'm not sure if, you know, Jonathan Gray has the red button. Not have a red button, so far as I know. Well, but I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Nick Rizzi. Um, I'm Max Gross. Um, we're here at Commercial Observer's offices in downtown Manhattan, um, and we'll see you next time. As we bring this captivating conversation to a close, I want to express my gratitude to Nick Rizzi, our esteemed web editor, for his valuable insights. The absence of political figures in this year's Power 100 has certainly sparked intrigue and raised important questions about the changing dynamics of New York real estate. If you're eager to explore the list and discover its compelling rankings, I invite you to visit commercialobserver.com. Additionally, I encourage you to subscribe to my Sunday Summary newsletter, where I provide in-depth analysis and commentary on commercial real estate every week. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, this is Max Gross, Editor-in-Chief, signing off.